1: What does honor Him, what does glorify Him, is when you're submissive to authority, when you're respectful of authority, but you take a stand and say, I can't violate my personal convictions. I've had to do that concerning the name of Jesus. There's so much pressure these days. Just don't say that name in the public square. Well, I'm sorry. I pray the way I pray. Sometimes when I finish, I invoke the name of the Lord Jesus because it's part of our tradition.
0: As Christians, we speak in the name of Jesus. In today's message from Pastor Robert, he teaches us through the book of 1 Peter that as Christians, we sometimes have to take a stand for the name of Jesus. Oftentimes today, the world doesn't want us to use His name, but as Christians, we bear His name. Stick around after today's message from Pastor Robert. I have quite a bit of information that I'd like to share with you. Our web address, podcast subscription information, and our contact information. Now, turn to chapter 2 of 1 Peter, and let's join Pastor Robert with part 4 of today's message.
1: You are not to be a slave to your emotions. And when we talk about falling in love with someone, that's what we're talking about. I mean, you can romanticize it all you want, but at the end of the day, it's emotion. And yes, I'm speaking from personal experience. I made a decision when I first met my wife that I would not love her. What? Yeah, we were in a situation where it was not allowed. We were, we were, she was in a training class that for six months, we couldn't have that kind of relationship. And I had to distance myself from her emotionally because we were around each other all the time. When I bought her an engagement ring, I was not in love with her. I made a decision of my will. That's the right woman for me. I will love her. And you know what? 22 years later, I really do. There's a lot of emotion there. Do you understand? I'm not a slave to those emotions. Those emotions serve me. As I've said so many times before, emotions are not evil unless they're in leadership. Then they're, then they're evil. When you put emotions in charge in business, what happens? That's a disaster waiting to happen. And so we know, I mean, it's just kind of taken for granted. People that are successful in business, you know, you can't you can't allow emotion to get involved. Emotion can't be what's guiding you. Emotion can't be what... No, business principles. They're things that need to be in charge. It's the same thing here. There are principles that need to be in charge. And certain kinds of love, though real, are inappropriate. You see this? Let me say it again. Certain kinds of love, though real, are inappropriate. They're inappropriate. The Bible says so. And you and I are supposed to be bond servants, willing slaves to the Lord Jesus. Now, many people have argued that Ms. Davis should simply have resigned her position. Personally, I disagree with that. She stood her ground. She asked the government to give her the same type of religious freedom accommodation that's been given to others, including terrorists, you know, Fort Hood, Guantanamo Bay, just to accommodate the fact that she doesn't want her name on the licenses. She doesn't wanna be associated with that. But here's why I say she's a good example of what 1 Peter 2 is talking about. Listen to me carefully. One of the charges being leveled against her is, yeah, but she's a hypocrite. She's been married four times. What do you do with that? The reality is this is a Christian lady taking a stand on marriage, but she's been married four times. How do you reconcile that? See, that's why Peter is exhorting us here. Suffer for doing good, not for being foolish, not... You see this, not for compromising as a Christian, not not for being obnoxious. One of the things that I've dealt with as a chaplain quite often for the police department is the fact that there will be Christian groups that go in on Ocean Drive, they wanna be right in the middle of everything and create a disturbance and cause a problem and negatively impact business and tourism in the name of Jesus. And they're like, just don't do it there, Do do it over here. That's a reasonable request. They're not saying you can't talk about Jesus. They're saying you can't create a disturbance in the middle of the tourist district. That's a reasonable request. Don't suffer for being stupid. That doesn't glorify God. It doesn't honor Jesus, you see that? But what does honor him, what does glorify him is when you're submissive to authority, when you're respectful of authority, but you take a stand and say, I can't violate my personal convictions. I've had to do that concerning the name of Jesus. There's so much pressure these days. Just don't say that name in the public square. Well, I'm sorry. I pray the way I pray. Sometimes, like I did, you know, praying for for Patrick a minute ago, when I finish, I invoke the name of the Lord Jesus because it's part of our tradition. It's not an incantation that we have to do. I don't do it every single time. In other words, there are many times when I pray, and I just say, amen. But if you ask me not to use Jesus' name, now I have a problem. Now I have an internal conflict of conscience. It's like you're asking me to pretend I'm praying to a fried egg or something. Whatever might be out there, I'm talking to you. But that's not true. I'm a Christian, and I I had a young rabbi. Recently, we were in a chaplain's conference, and I was so grateful to this young reformed rabbi. He's like, why is it that only the Christians can't mention who they're praying to? I can talk about Adonai, the Buddhists can talk about, I mean, it's like we, you know, the Muslims can talk about Muhammad and Allah, but but the Christian's not supposed to mention Jesus. That's not right. And this is, you know, it's coming from a a rabbi. And I thanked him afterwards. I'm like, you know, when they shut us up, they're coming after you next. So thank you. (laughs) Thank you for standing with us, right? Now, please hear my heart. I don't know Kim Davis. I'm not evaluating her life. I'm not, because... You know, I had a conversation at the His House Gala last night with it's actually the brother of, of somebody that goes to the church here. And, and it, just, it was a club-like kind of an atmosphere. And started and a lot of times people view pastors as having been born with a Bible in one hand and a microphone in the other kind of a thing, you know. It's not that way. And, and I said, you know, as your brother sometimes said, I retired from that life when I met Jesus. And we were just laughing about, you know, the old days and, and, the, and the way things... Once were. My point is that I have a past. There are things in my past that could be brought to light that would make me look like a complete hypocrite. Now, maybe that's what's going on with Kim Davis. Maybe that's exactly what's going on with her. Maybe she's been married four times because the first three, she didn't know the Bible, she didn't know Jesus, she had no relationship with God, and her life was a mess. And now she's, you know, she's moved on from that. Now she's following the Lord and Serving him and doing the best, I don't know, I really don't know. What I do know is that the fact that she's been married four times does undermine her credibility as a poster child for Christian marriage. You see that, and that's what this passage is telling us. That's what that's what he's warning us about. That we can ruin our own credibility. Maybe it is hypocritical on her part, or maybe she's just repentant, simply following her Christian convictions, just like John Newton did. You know, John Newton. You know, he was one of the most active and and vocal anti-slavery voices of the 19th century, right? 19th century, am I getting that right? I think so. But he was a slave trader, what a hypocrite. No, he woke up, he realized this is wicked, I'm not doing this anymore, and he stopped. He wrote Amazing Grace because he was so grateful for the grace that he received from the Lord Jesus. He went on to live the life of a missionary for the rest of his life. He didn't go to Africa, He stayed where he was and started speaking up. He was on a mission. Now maybe you feel that Kim Davis didn't do the right thing. Okay, fine. What are you doing? I think that's a valid question. What are you doing? Now again, hear my heart. I'm not suggesting that that you need to quit your job, that a change of career is required, but maybe a change of priorities. Maybe a change of focus, maybe, you know, one of the people that was used powerfully in my life as a young man, I was 24 years old and, and, you know, had already managed to create for myself a problem with the Internal Revenue Service. So I went to a good tax accountant. And she looked at me as she was going through my taxes that day and she said, do you have any charitable contributions? And I said, what's that? In all fairness, she had a really strong Texas accent, and I didn't understand the word charitable when she said it. But I'll never forget her reply. She looked up and made eye contact, because she's kind of hunched over, and she looked up and made eye contact with me and said, like tithes and offerings, son, don't you go to church? And I said, no, lots of attitude, you know, belligerence. And she just smiled, said, well, why not? And I couldn't answer that question. That's all she did, so that was it. That was the whole deal, you know, she went back to dealing with the numbers, filling out the forms. But she asked me two critically important questions that day for me. Don't you go to church? Why don't you go to church? I said I believed in God. I said I believed in Jesus, you know, that he came to earth and died on a cross so that my sins could be forgiven, so that I could receive grace. I said I believe those things, and yet I never went to church. And I was confronted that day with my own hypocrisy, with my own foolishness. And I I went away kind of scratching my head, thinking, why don't I go to church? I I don't have a good answer for that. It was powerful in my life. More than 30 years later, I still remember every detail of that little encounter because she, as an accountant, as as a tax preparer that day, was aware of a more important mission in her life. You see this?
0: Pastor Robert will have much more to teach us from the book of 1 Peter when you join us next time. But for now, you can learn more about the ministry of Main Thing Radio by visiting our website. At MainThingRadio.com, you'll be able to listen to even more messages from this book and others by clicking on Podcast. And be sure to subscribe so you'll never miss a new edition. You can also connect with us on social media. Come follow our Facebook and Twitter accounts and stay up to date with everything that's happening at Main Thing Radio and Calvary Chapel, Miami Beach. Find links to our accounts at our website. Again, that's MainThingRadio.com. Before we go, we'd like to ask you to pray for us here at MainThing Radio. Would you lift us up to the Lord and ask Him to continue moving through our ministry? Pray that we'd keep our eyes focused on Him and that we'd share only the words He's given us. Pray, too, that our listeners would hear from Him each time they tune in. We want to reach the community and the world for Christ, and we can only do that through the support of our brothers and sisters in Christ. Thanks for praying for us. We appreciate your partnership in this area. With that, our time with you has come to an end. There's so much more to learn from the pages of 1 Peter, however, so we hope you'll make it a point to join us again. Tune in next time for another edition of Main Thing Radio.